Well, time to dig a little bit deeper into the potential fortunes of the Melbourne Footy Club today. I'm Cal Toomey. I'm joined by Mark McGowan. Hello, Mark. Cal, how's it going, mate? I'm well. I'm interested in your views on the Ds, though, because they are such an interesting club heading into 2020. I know we're one round in and we're not quite sure when round two will be played, but when it is played, there's going to be a lot of eyes and focus on what the Demons get up to because such a fascinating club in 2020. You know, so good in 2018 and so bad in, in 2019. What did you see in, in round one? And, you know, are, are you more convinced that we're going to see a repeat of the 2019 Demons or the 2018 Demons? Yeah, well, that's uh, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Um, whatever happens this year is is going to be referred to, or the the previous two years are going to be referred to as the aberration. Whether it was two thousand and nineteen when they were incredibly poor, or two thousand and eighteen when they were the fairy tale story, the the whole competition in in September. And yeah, it's a, it's a hard one because you you watch against West Coast and you think it's pretty harsh to judge them on what we saw there as far as what as a projection for the rest of this year. Um, but what for me, what I saw in that was was similar trends to, to what went wrong last year, and and that was particularly with obviously the conversion of inside fifties into scores. They had ten more than the Eagles and, and still failed to to win the game, um, and also their transition defence, which they, they go hand in hand. Those two, they'd have they'd spend you know inc- incredible amount of time up forward. They'd keep the ball in attack. They couldn't get any marks, or they'd get really shallow inside fifties, and then the Eagles would just run the ball down the other end you know, really easily and score. And, and that's the big problem for Melbourne, and they've got to figure that out. They had a different sort of attack. We went small ball with a few small forwards, but the bigs just couldn't get their hands on the ball, and that's obviously their issue, but also the way the ball's coming in. There's differing views on how much everyone should read into round one results, and particularly that game given the season was basically halted before they took the field. So it's an interesting sort of dynamic that they did take the field at Optus uh, Stadium, knowing that their next game was going to be a fair while off. But mm. what happens if Melbourne does have another poor year? Because, as you say, they're really confident that last year was a one-off, that it was an aberration, that this wasn't their true selves, that the injuries were so bad and such a destructive force that it forced them into that that abyss. But what's your opinion and, and take on if they do have another shocker? Yeah, well, I think immediately my first take is Simon Goodwin is under incredible amount of pressure. Um, he's contracted beyond this year, but he, he inherited a team that was obviously on, a, on an upward scale, um, had a really good start as coach in 2018, as I've already touched on, um, struggled last year. And if they were to do that again, particularly if the same issues are the problem and he, and he doesn't find a way to, to eradicate them, um, I think a lot of pressure is going to have to go onto him. I'm not necessarily saying that it's a, it'll be a sackable season, um, but I think the heat would just have to be right on the coach. You can't go beyond him um, in that regard. But I think on top of that, Melbourne spent a long time rebuilding and getting that hope back in the membership base. And I think if they were to have another poor year, I think a lot of that optimism disappears in what they've got in the young group, in the, the Petrarchas, the Olivers, um, these sorts of guys who um, a lot's been riding on them over the years and there's been a real... You know, stay patient. It will pay off. Um, and I think if they were to have a, another down year this year, um, yeah, I think a lot of that evaporates and they'd have a lot of, a lot to do to get that trust back. But taking all that on board, Mark, is there still hope for this group to turn it around? I mean, we talk about last year as being so dim and round one having some concerns too. Uh, what makes you think that they can uh, be a challenger? 
Yeah, I think we, we put aside we, we, a pretty negative start to this chat, to be yeah. honest, um, the first two questions. But I, I think there really is hope for Melbourne. I, I had them back in the eight in, in the preseason, um, as far as predictions go, which can be foolhardy because we, we all get made to look like a fool in the end. But I think you look at it, guys like Stephen May, Jake Lever, they haven't played a lot of football together. And, and they're, you know, they'd be easily amongst the top six or seven players at Melbourne. So getting them, getting that chemistry down back, um, we saw May played really well as well against Josh Kennedy. It's it's gone under the radar because the Melbourne because of the Melbourne loss, but he was really good. Jake Lever was taking some really nice intercept marks in the preseason. So both of them getting a full season automatically, they should be a lot stronger, a lot more competitive. And beyond that, 2018 was built on the contested ball. Um, there's no doubt everything started from the contest out for Melbourne, and they have been figured out a little bit in that way, where they're obviously outnumbering. Um, the opposition, and then probably getting hurt on the outside, though. But then you, you go back to round one and they win 25 more contested possessions than West Coast. Yes, again, similar problems. But if you're winning that much contested ball, that has to be only a good thing. They'll have to tweak a few little things, but that's a really nice base to build off. And beyond that, I just don't think Tom McDonald can have as poor a year as he did last year again. Kicked 53 goals in 2018, and he was coming good before he got injured again last year. So. I think gets his confidence back. That's a key plank in Melbourne suddenly converting more of these inside 50s into goals. Yeah, I'm like you. I had them in my top eight at the start of the year, and I'm still confident they'll be around that mark. The additions of the wingmen in particular provide real run on both sides, don't they, and Langton and and Tomlinson, and they've sort of started and to show basically what they recruited for across the preseason in round one as well. And just the, the growth of the guys. Like, I think Brayshaw... Angus Brasher, I'm backing him to be the player that we think he can be. I'm not saying that he should be a top three you know, contender of the Brownlow medal every year, but um, he's a, a much better player than we saw last year. And him and I think Christian Petrarca's drew for a career best year. So the one I want to ask you about right now is Jack Viney. Obviously, won't be captaining the side <laughs> in 2020. Um, what's your take on that? And could it be the best thing for him? Yeah, look, he was one of their best performers in round one. Put aside someone like an Ed Langdon, he, he was superb as well. Um, kicking was a little bit touch and go, but Jack Viney was an absolute beast in the concert. I think he had 20 contested possessions. Um, we've seen him do this before during his career, but he's never been able to really string it together over a full season. There's been so much talk around Jack Viney. His, his personality around the club might have been the issue and why he wasn't voted again to be the co-captain, um, but it might just be the making of him. If he can get his body right, and channel that super intense um, persona that he has into just having a sensational year of football, uh, Melbourne's just going to be so much better off because there's been such a heavy load on guys like Clayton Oliver to every week get 30 touches. But if Jack Viney can, can be that guy as well and, and give Clayton a bit of a chop out, um, it's just going to be huge for Melbourne's fortunes. And, and you touched on Angus Brayshaw. Um, it'll be great for him as well. Just takes a bit of pressure off him. He can be that inside-outside midfielder and, um, and provide a bit more beyond just reading the ball off the hands of, uh, of Maxi Gorn. Now, something I do love about the Demons is their recruiting because they just back themselves. They find the right players. And Clayton Oliver, you mentioned before, is the perfect example of that. 2015 draft, Jason Taylor and the recruiting team there. You know, took a bit of a punt on him. I'm not sure everyone would have rated him as highly as they did, but it's been the perfect selection at that choice. Last year... They took Luke Jackson with pick three, and then a few selections later took Cozzy Pickett. Are you excited 
as everyone else is about what Cozzy Pickett can bring to the Melbourne forward line because there's definitely a role there for him. I, I love this kid, Cal. I, I'm officially claiming him. This kid is, is unbelievable. Like we, He's already we all... been claimed, mate. We, 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 yeah, claimed yeah. we, 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 we put that vision out of him last year about <laughs> playing that bump, and it just went absolutely viral. It did. It did. And I think I think a few people claimed him at the time, and um, huh. I'm just going to ignore them all and run over the top of you all. Fair enough. Um, I'm, I'm incredibly impressed with what I've seen from this kid. We saw that video, and and again, everyone got excited about him, you know, banging and crashing, and you know he's related to Byron Pickett. He's going to be that type of player. But I remember speaking to Jason Taylor after the draft, and him actually saying it's almost been an injustice to what his his skill set is to to that video because everyone assumes that's the type of player he is. But what Jace said he really loved about him was just his his goal nous, his craft, his natural feel for the game and I think we saw all of those in round one we saw it in the preseason as well but I thought round one was the best we've seen of him so far very very early in his career obviously he just he just reads the ball really quickly off the deck he had no issues with the speed of the game um you know he, he's just a very instinctual player and kicked a couple of goals 11 touches um I, I think this kid could be an absolute star and he's he's exactly what the doctor ordered for that Melbourne forward line Another early pick for the Demons a few years ago was Sam Wiedemann. Where's he at with his career? And look, it's obviously pretty early in his career, but he burst onto the scene. His, his breakout game was um, that uh, final against uh, Geelong a couple of years ago. Mm. And last year, like the rest of his footy club, basically wasn't able to, to go on with it. But where do you see you know, him projecting in 2020? Yeah, like as you said, it is very early, but there, there's definitely some warning signs for Sam because... This, this Melbourne side is screaming out for a tall forward to emerge um, beyond someone like Tom McDonald and certainly not writing him off. Um, but it's not that long ago his manager was reportedly asking for, you know, 600 grand a year and now Sam's not even playing in round one. And um, we see a guy like Mitch Brown, who was on the scrap heap, has already gone past him. Um, we saw Luke Jackson, the, the man you referred to before, or the kid, I should say, you referred to before, who was picked up in the draft. He was an emergency. Sam wasn't anywhere to be seen. Um, he's got a lot of work to do. Um, he's, he's got to find a way to impact games when he's not getting his hands on the footy. And I think that's been the big issue. He just doesn't win enough for the footy. And when he's down, he's really down, and he gives them nothing. Um, and so that's, that's where Sam, we saw the potential he has in that 2018 finals run. It started in Perth in the, in the late rounds there. He had a really good game there, and it carried on. And um, unfortunately, last year, he just couldn't get that going. Um, and he still definitely got that ability within him. Um, but as we know, confidence is such a massive thing in the AFL, and he's got to recapture that before he can uh, fulfill his, you know, realise his potential. Our last one on the Ds. Where to for Nathan Jones? Because there was a bit of to and froing last year when he had a, a contract decision to make, and the Demons had a contract decision to make about him. An Achilles complaint kept him out of round one. Where does it sit for a former captain? Yeah, it was funny. He did um, a media conference on, on Zoom, as all the clubs are doing at the moment, last week. And he said this might actually um, push him on for another year, having this, this big break during the year. But um, on the flip side, if they have hard decisions to make around list sizes and potentially getting cut to 35, um, do you keep someone like him over a, a Tom Sparrow? I mean, it might not come down to those two, but just as an example, um, do you push on with a kid rather than, um, someone like Nathan Jones, who's no longer that inside you know, midfield bull that he once was. He's, he's been played in different roles and his, um, 
his value these days is almost in his, his leadership and his effort and his and still his kicking. Um, but he's not the automatic selection that he once was. So um, it's definitely going to go down to the wire again with, with Nathan. I don't think he's a certainty to be there in, in 2021, but um, obviously he's still got plenty to offer. But um, hard decisions need to be made once you get past 30. Anyone else notable out of contract? I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens with Bailey Fritch this year. Um, he's become a, a really handy player in that forward line, especially as we've talked about. They haven't, they haven't, or oh, they have struggled to uh, to kick goals. And guys like Tom McDonald, Sam Weedman, and these guys have, have struggled to make a consistent impact. But Bailey Fritch as that sort of medium size option um, is is a really nice player. And if he has a big year, um, they're going to come for him. I think other clubs. I don't think he's going anywhere, but um, he might get himself a nice contract. Well, he was actually pretty close to getting a new contract. It was, it was. Pretty imminent, I think, before uh, the COVID-19 crisis struck football um, and it's been put on hold, I think. So I think it was pretty close and the, the Demons were, were pretty close to tying him up for at least a couple more years. And as you say, pretty handy player out of the VFL, isn't he? So he's been one of their better selections over the past few years and has definitely come on. So there were some good signs and good news close there for the Demons, but who knows where things sit, the contracts and list sizes and whether that'll change too much with Bailey Fridge and the Ds. Mark? Thanks for your time. As always, great insight, and I think Melbourne supporters would have gained a lot from the chat.